Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 58, What is Therapy Anyway? It's September 1st, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and clearly podcaster. I also happen to be a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I help people do is be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is very difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moscovich. What is therapy anyway? Well, it seems to me that we have some significant myths and stigmas and stereotypes surrounding therapy that are not quite, quite frankly, are not really true and they're not really helpful. So going into therapy doesn't mean that you're broken or it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you or anything is wrong with you. So today, um, We're going to talk about what is therapy anyway, because it is an act of courage and bravery to look at your life from um, like under a microscope. So, and quite frankly, the least healthy people are most unlikely to go to therapy. So I, this is not a deep dive into therapy. It's kind of a light overview, touching on some of the benefits and some other aspects of therapy. So I think it's going to be fairly helpful to the average person. So let's get going. So what am I going to cover today? So I'm going to give you a definition and overview of therapy. I'm going to give a brief mention of some different types of therapy, um, the reality of someone getting into therapy, some benefits, kind of talk a little bit about expectations, uh, family of origin and dysfunctional families, what therapy could like look like in real life. Aha, uh-huh, that's a page from my book. And some suggestions if you're thinking about going into therapy, some takeaways, and then a call to action. So that's what we're, where we're going today. If you happen to be new to my content, I hope you'll visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com to enter my current giveaway, which is Look, Look, I Want a Book. And you can register to win a free copy of my book. And I'm so excited because I'm going to start another giveaway. I just have to talk to my IT guy and see if I can do them concurrently or if I have to merge them or what. Where I'm going to be giving away aprons, my former copies of my former gluten-free and allergy cookbook and my current gluten-free and allergy-free cookbook and whatever miscellaneous stuff because I have stuff to move into new places and so I'm really excited. I love giveaways and I'm especially happy because I have stuff that need to go, stuff that needs to go. All right, next up is my disclaimer. It's important to me that you know I am not a therapist or a medical professional in any capacity. I am not those things. If you need medical advice or therapy advice, you should get them from a licensed healthcare provider. So that's that. Now, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you are feeling suicidal, hopeless, really sad, or thinking about harming yourself, I'm asking you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. 
That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking you to post on social media. I'm asking you to tell people. I'm asking you to talk about it because there is help available. Now, it might not come from the people that you want it to come from, but there is help available. So let's talk about the definition and some a few salient points about therapy. So according to um, the dictionary, the definition of psychotherapy is the treatment of mental disorder by psychological rather than me medical means. And the synonyms for uh, psychotherapy are talk therapy, counseling, and therapy. Now, I do want to say I take issue with the definition that it's the treatment of a mental, medical disorder because not everyone who goes into therapy has a medical disorder. And I think that's one of the stigmas that people think, well, if you're going to therapy, there is definitely something wrong with you. And we're going to talk about that later on. So you know the term. But did you know that... Therapy and the idea, the concept of therapy has been around since the beginning of time. So, you know, Hippocrates is considered the father of medicine, and uh, he had a very strong view of a natural approach to the treatment of diseases, including the importance of understanding a person's, a patient's health or a person's health their independence of mind, and the need for harmony between the individual, social, and natural environment. And that's really important because this is, this is actually thousands of years old. Now, one of the things that I read in one of uh, M. Scott Peck's book, M. Scott Peck was the author of The Road Less Traveled, which was very popular, uh, back in the day, and he also wrote several other books. One of his books was called People of the Lie, and I think this comes from, well, it comes from one of M. Scott Peck's book. Now, M. Scott Peck was a medical doctor, but I think he was a psychiatrist. Um, he used an analogy for psychotherapy as kind of looking at your life, like the, the map of your life, like your life as a map, and whether the map you're using is a true map or is it distorted in some way? Really kind of like looking at your life under a microscope. So do your actions and do, does your thinking pattern and does all of that hold up to scrutiny? Well, let's hope so, but that's also why some people won't go into therapy because they actually at some point know they really, what they're doing is not workable and it wouldn't hold up to be looked at under a light. So basically, psychotherapy is one avenue or one process or one method to facilitate growth and development in human beings. And I'm a, I'm a diehard fan, diehard, diehard fan of personal growth and development because it's so rich, it's so rewarding, it's the access to love, it's the access to all the good things. So that's kind of the overview of psychotherapy. And I do take issue with the treatment of a mental disorder. And by the way, that's not the first term that I've taken issue with that's in the dictionary. In the dictionary, the definition of, cert of assertiveness, at least last I looked, had the term aggressive. And assertiveness is not aggression and it's not aggressive. So sometimes the dictionary is not point on, like spot on. So that begs the question is, does psychotherapy work? Like it's rooted in ancient times and has been 
pointed to and discussed and, and used for thousands of years, but does it work? Well, according to the American Psychological Association, who's most frequently quoted on the effectiveness of psychotherapy, this is a quote from uh, their page. Reviews of these studies show that about 75% of people who enter psychotherapy show some benefit. Other reviews have found that the average person who enters psychotherapy is better off by the end of treatment uh, than 80% of those who don't seek any treatment at all. So it's obviously not effective for 100%. We're at 75% or possibly 80%. So how eff effective is psychotherapy? Well, part of that depends on how good the therapist is. And part of that, in my humble opinion, depends on how honest you can be about your life because sometimes it's hard to be honest about your life so but according to the research overall uh, therapy is a very effective means now what are different kinds of therapies well there are lots of different kinds of therapies I only have listed five here but I'm going to mention a couple others so uh, psychoanalysis and psychodynamic therapies is one category Behavior therapy is another, cognitive therapy is another, and as a subset of cognitive, there's cognitive behavioral therapy. Humanistic therapy, integrative or holistic therapy. There's also something that's fascinating and really cool, which is called short-term intensive dynamic psychotherapy. Um, that's really neat. Art therapy, music therapy, there's all kinds of therapies, and they are different. They're not the same. So, you know, what kind of therapy, if you need, if you were thinking about therapy, what kind of therapy would you need? Well, I'm not sure because it depends on what your issue is, but it's helpful to know that there's all kinds of therapies and they have kind of a different focus and a different approach. So I want to touch briefly on reasons why people seek therapy, because I think when you go through this list, you'll see these are not, these are not, uh, signs or symptoms of a mental disorder. So one of the reasons people seek therapy is because they're going through grief and loss from the death of a loved one. Grief and loss are very difficult emotions and sometimes people need a little support. Sometimes they need therapy or seek therapy because of a major life challenge. For example, divorce, infidelity, betrayal, a career change or a career loss. Also, to deal with or recover from abuse, either physical or emotional. Sometimes it's for dealing with a health issue. Sometimes it's because they're having depression and anxiety sourced by a number of challenges or situations. Sometimes people go into therapy to resolve conflicts, to deal with unhealthy relationships, to relieve stress, to deal with or heal from a trauma, for help with sleeping issues, help with OCD, PTSD, and other diagnoses, and particularly help with difficult emotions and emotional regulation. So that's 12 different reasons. And none of them, by the way, are an absolute sign or signal that you have a mental disorder. I mean, sometimes you just need a little boost. And those are the top reasons. Those are not, that's not all inclusive, but those are the major reasons. Now I want to kind of move into something 
that is extremely important in my opinion, which is some of the myths or stereotypes or stigmas surrounding psychotherapy or therapy. And I'm just going to read some of these statements, which are which are mine. Um, I mean, they're not my views, but uh, they're what I know kind of is out there from talking to people. So, you know, sometimes people think that healthy people don't need therapy or therapy is just for people who are sick. Another stigma is people are afraid of being judged for their feelings and or for their actions. Some people fear actually getting a diagnosis of a mental health condition. And some people are fearful that if people found out they were in therapy, they would be negatively judged. We do have some societal shaming about it. There's a fear of discrimination, and there's actually some potential for discrimination. Fear of being perceived as weak, like you're afraid of thinking people are going to think you're weak, or sometimes people view themselves as weak if they need help or they need therapy. Then there are some different cultural beliefs about therapy and or the need or use for it. Family beliefs and family stigmas and family behaviors can also provide a barrier for seeking therapy. And some people hold the view that people who need therapy are, quote, less than, end quote, like they're somehow below other people. And then there's a lack of understanding of what therapy is and what therapy isn't. And additionally, uh, there's some negative uh, biases, in my opinion, uh, for therapy in the media. Like, so, so there's a lot of reasons. Those are, you know, several reasons why people don't seek therapy that could get some benefit. And if you hold those views, that's fine. You can you can hold on to them. But I'm hoping as we move through the rest of this content. You're going to kind of maybe open your mind a little bit and think, hmm, maybe, maybe I do have some stigmas. Maybe I'm really holding on to things that aren't true. So what's the reality of someone getting therapy? Well, I already mentioned earlier that I read in one of M. Scott Peck's books. I love his books, by the way, especially that People of the Lie. That was a great book. That the least healthy people... So the people who are most unhealthy are the least likely to get therapy. They're the most resistant to therapy and will often refuse therapy, refuse therapy at any cost. So in my opinion, going into therapy is an act of courage and an act of bravery. And it's a sign that you're willing to consider how you live your life and how, and how you think and how you look at yourself and how you look at the world, like it's an inquiry or it's a journey or it's a, you know, a moment to pause and say, you know, how do I think? How do I look at the world? And I think someone going into therapy is is a real reason to celebrate. And I think that the this myths and stigmas are kind of held onto and perpetuated by those people who are most afraid of therapy. And that's just my opinion. So the reality is it's an act of courage and an act of bravery. And, and part of your results are going to depend on on how you go into it and how honest you can be and all of that stuff. So the reality is 
going into therapy is an act of courage and bravery and a willingness to just kind of go, hmm, how do I live my life? Now, there are a lot of significant benefits that someone going into therapy could could get out of it. And my emphasis here is that you could get out of it. These are not guaranteed benefits. These are just potential benefits. I'm just going to read through them. And I think it would be helpful if you listen to this list like, hmm, would I would that be beneficial to me? Would that be helpful to me? Would I would I would that improve my life in some way? So number one, therapy can provide clarity on how you're organized as a person. We're all organized differently. And as someone who is pretty high in self-mastery, myself, not to sound like a braggart or, or an arrogant hubris-brilled hubris jerk, it's really helpful to understand yourself and how you're organized. So that's one potential benefit. Another one is to gain insights on your coping mechanisms on, in life, and that can be very valuable. Understanding your behavior and why you do what you do, learning emotional skills and abilities, understanding the way you think and how you process information from the world around you, uh, discovering any issues that need to be addressed. I'm going to tell you right now, like any issue you have as a person, there's a way to address it. There really is. You might discover that you have some cognitive distortions or some ways of thinking that really don't serve you and that aren't helpful. And that would be good to know because you can you can change that. Uh, it's uh, you can heal from trauma or abuse. You can learn new techniques for healthy living and healthy behaviors. You might learn a little bit about psychology, which I'm a diehard fan of because it's really helpful to understand things like projection, minimizing, monsterizing, gaslighting, narcissistic personality traits, etc. I have a whole podcast about psychology terms I think everyone should know because I do think everyone should know them because they're so helpful. It's like wildly helpful. It can help build self-confidence and self-esteem. It can help you improve relationships and relationship dynamics. It can definitely can definitely help reduce anxiety, depression, and negative emotions, or what I call the difficult emotions. It can help you function better in life. It can help you improve your problem-solving skills. It can help you build resilience. It can help you identify any self-sabotaging behaviors or patterns. It can help you if you're stuck or stalled in life. And it can help give you peace of mind. That's pretty. That's a pretty good list of potential benefits. And they're only potential because it, it depends on a number of different things. So I want to talk about expectations. Expectations, if you have an expectation and it doesn't get addressed or fulfilled, it leaves you upset. So think, for example, you do a job, you're expecting to be paid, and you find out you are not getting paid. Of course, you're furious and you're upset. So unfulfilled expectations never leave you happy. They leave you upset. So going into therapy, it's helpful to have the proper expectations. And one of them is it's not an overnight process. 
And number two, you might have to look at some painful things in life. And you might have to do a little work. Like I learned I didn't have anger skills not, you know, and a number of years ago. And I was like, wow, I was so excited. I was like, I was like a little kid. Oh my gosh, I don't have anger skills. I mean, that wasn't actually, I didn't learn that from therapy, but um, that's the kind of thing you could learn from therapy. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. And so, you know, you, you might have to look at some painful things. You might realize, oh my gosh, there's some things you can grow and develop. And going into therapy with the proper expectations will improve your outcome and improve your satisfaction with therapy. Um, next, family of origin um, and then dysfunctional family. So this begs a mention. So a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of American families, that's between 70 to 96 percent of American families, have some level of dysfunction according to the research. But here's the here's the rub. We in society are not walking around saying, oh, this behavior is dysfunctional and that behavior is dysfunctional. And people grow up in highly dysfunctional families, like very dysfunctional, and they're not aware that their family is abnormal or highly dysfunctional because they just don't have the context for that. So sometimes, usually in therapy, they'll have a your you know introductory session and they'll kind of map out your family of origin and so sometimes in therapy people you know get the sense that oh wow my family i was my family was actually abusive and and they didn't recognize that and that might be hard or it might be painful but you know it is what it is and it's all extremely helpful and the other thing you have to bear in mind is that the therapist isn't always right they're human you know but you want to go into it open-minded especially if you haven't if you don't have a high awareness about the your family of origin or the dysfunctionality of the family you you grew up in so that's that's a piece of it and and i know a lot of people I mean, personally, that grew up in dysfunctional families that really haven't come to terms with that, even though they're well past the age of that. So it's just something to be mindful of. Now I want to give you an example of what therapy looks like in real life. Okay, I think you'll enjoy this. So much of my experience with therapy uh, was from uh, marriage counseling. And, uh, you know, like with four different marriage therapists, and I won't say anything more about that. That, that, that gives you some idea. So at any rate, when, in, when you're talking about marriage counseling, if one of the two people is lying, the therapist has got to do some hard work to try to figure out who's telling the truth. So that is one kind of major obstacle if you're talking about uh, marriage counseling or family counseling where someone's lying. So in 2018, I had three concurrent traumas going on, unbeknownst to me. And a lot of, actually most of the people I knew said, oh, those are horrible, horrible, awful things. You are never going to be okay. You're just never going to be okay. 
you were going to be damaged goods. And I was like, wow. I mean, I was really taken aback by it. But I thought, hey, I don't have to be damaged goods. I can just go get some therapy and find out what are my new issues. Because my only issue really in life has been that, well, two issues. I, I'm too trusting, which I'm very well aware of. And, you know, I try to compensate for that. Uh, and my other issue is I'm, uh, I tend to overfunction, which means I justify people not showing up in relationships. And I, I do more than my share in relationships. And I've really made huge progress in that over the years, because once you become aware of something, you can get to work on it. Just like I was saying earlier, you know, I mean, I can tell you it was 2006 when I learned I had no anger skills, which, you know, given certain things in my life that was reasonable and, and probably proper. It's not helpful to walk around in life with no anger skills. So I just got to work. So I went into therapy in 2018 because everyone said I was going to be damaged. And, you know, so I went in and and when you go into therapy, I highly recommend you set very clear goals for yourself. So I'm going to give you the three goals I had. Uh, number one was to get a checkup from the neck up, which is exactly how I wrote it on the form. Number two was to identify uh, any new therapy issues. And number three was to get advice and guidance on how I could help some other people in my life who were impacted by what was going on. So those were my three goals, very clear. So here's what I learned in four weeks of therapy. I'm just going to read them off. Number one, I did not have PTSD or dissociative disorder. I should backtrack and say I requested at the outset of therapy to be tested for anything they could test me for. I wanted a complete, you know, checkup from the neck up. So I did get, you know, the PTSD testing and dissociative testing. So I didn't have PTSD or dissociative disorder. I did not have depression that merited any intervention or treatment or a drug or alcohol problem. I learned I had amazing, quote, super duper, end quote, coping mechanisms that are ex extremely healthy and strong. I have a well-developed executive functioning of my brain, including the three manager parts. So, I mean, I'm sitting there taking notes because I've like, I don't, I had no idea what executive functioning of the brain was, let alone the manager parts. So the therapist had to explain things to me because I was like, well, what does that mean that I have a, a well-developed you know, executive, I don't know what that means. So I do have a well-developed executive functioning of the brain, and that's really wildly helpful. Um, my global assessment of functioning, so there's a scale that measures how functional you are in life. My, and it's called the GAF scale, but that's the global assessment of functioning. My score was between 91 and 100, the highest category, which means that something bad can happen in my life, life challenge, trauma, what have you. And it doesn't take me out of the game in life because I have all these skills and abilities. So um, how interesting was that? Number six, I have positive attitudes and beliefs, meaning empowering attitudes and beliefs, which are helpful in coping with life and, ch and life challenges. 
at number seven. I did amazingly positive and, and powerful things with uh, my children, which I didn't even know were so great or so amazing because, of course, I'm not a therapist, so how would I know? So some of that was a little surprising, shocking, actually. Um, number eight, my pattern or my habit of refusing to call someone in my life the typical term that you call someone who has that position was wildly approved by the therapist because it depersonalized that person who was extremely abusive and cruel. So that was kind of comical and fun. Like to, I said, well, oh no, we don't, we don't use that term. We do not use that term. And the therapist was like, what? I said, no, this is how we refer to that person. And uh, she was laughing and she said, oh, that's amazing. That's really great. I said, okay, why is it great? Like it's therapy approved? She said, yes. I said, why is it great? She said, because you're depersonalizing someone who is horrible. Um, number nine, I was the polar opposite of someone who thinks, seeks therapy, which prompted a very lengthy discussion about the attitudes and the behaviors of someone who comes into therapy. So number 10, I did not fit into the general dis adjustment disorder category, which I thought could fit for anyone, but apparently not. My so problem solving abilities are above normal. When I have a problem, I research it and then figure out what needs to be done to solve the issue or problem and then get to work on it. And that's not typical either. Uh, number 12, this was a big surprise. Um, the therapist said, as she was explaining all the things that I do and the things that that are part of me, um, when she was talking about the global assessment of functioning, she said, you have three concurrent traumas happening right now, right now as we speak, and you are functioning like amazing, like beautifully. And I was like, wait a minute what do you mean I have three concurrent traumas? I didn't even really know what a trauma was. And she, she said, well, you've kind of had a life filled with traumas starting, you know, a long time ago. And you're um, basically a trauma expert. So let me give you some ideas of the, what I'm talking about in terms of what's a trauma and what's not a trauma. So I didn't know that either. I mean, I had to say, back up. What are you talking about? Um, Number 13, my thinking patterns are rational and logical. Who knew? Uh, number 14, my coping mechanisms are extremely strong and were developed at a young age, in other words, prior to college. Number 15, I did not know that religion could be a coping me mechanism. I mean, I just didn't know because, of course, I'm not a therapist, and I do have a strong belief and faith in religion, so it's one of my many, many coping mechanisms. Um, number 16, my abilities to identify, manage, and process my emotions are well, well above average as in superior. Well, who thinks about that stuff? I have no idea. And uh, number 17, much to my surprise, I didn't have any new therapy issues. So this was not at all what I expected going into therapy. I expected to find out I was damaged goods, like people had said. I expected to find, you know, here's how I was damaged or 
here's my new therapy issues or, you know, I mean, it just wasn't at all what I expected. And I learned so much. I mean, who even thinks about whether you're thinking rationally or logically? I mean, these were things I never gave any thought to just like trauma. I was kind of like, Oh, I'm in, I'm in three concurrent traumas. Oh my gosh. What are they? What are my, what are my concurrent traumas? And so I was, I was kicked out of therapy uh, by the time all the testing had come back and she had, she was a great clinician, explained all of the reasons that I'm so healthy and so functional and all that stuff. So, you know, it was a big surprise. And after I got kind of the boot, I mean, she said I could come back if I wanted to pay out of pocket, but I couldn't use insurance because I didn't eat. There's nothing wrong with me. So after post-therapy, I'm discussing this with some of my, you know, my inner circle and, and then everything she was saying made sense. Like we could look at my life, take the, this information about the way I think and the way I problem solve. And we kind of had a lot of giggles because I'm kind of known if I have a problem, I'll just go research and say, what do people do when they have this problem? And, and then go do whatever needs to be done. And so, and you know, yes, I've had a life of traumas, but I didn't know they were traumas because we don't talk about traumas. We don't talk about lots of things that are either traumas or are traumatic. So in hindsight, it was just in a very, very valuable, uh, lesson. And I learned so much about myself. I mean, when would I have ever learned about the global assessment of functioning scale. It's very interesting. You can find the global assessment of functioning scale all over the web, like even web MD, you know, like they, they all will have it. And, and so it's helpful. You know, the goal you want to have is to be really functional in life. And that means having coping mechanisms. It means having empowering attitudes and beliefs. It means a whole lot of things. And it does definitely means having rational thinking. And we have a lot of, I did a podcast uh, fairly recently on cognitive distortions, which are extremely common. And cognitive distortions are, are a form of irrational thinking. So, you know, if you want to go into therapy, you could learn a lot of great things. And if you learn something that you need to work on, so what? Like, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I don't have any anger skills. I was like, woohoo, let's go. Let's go get them because I want to have the best life possible. So that's my, exp my experience with therapy, which was really rather, I mean, the therapist and I had a really great time because she, she was like, yeah, you're, you're very, very different. And I'm going to explain to you exactly how you're different and why you're different and, and help you understand all the skills that you have that you don't even know are skills. And it's true. I didn't know things that I did were skills. And, and so it was very helpful. So let's assume you're thinking about maybe therapy would be helpful for you. I'm going to give you a couple quick suggestions. So number one, my first point is really kind of a caveat, which is not all therapists are good. Well, guess what? Not all lawyers are good. Not all auto repair shops are good. Not all hairdressers are good. Not all doctors are good. I mean, it's hard to find a really good physician. It's also hard to find a really good attorney. So, you know, you have to 
number which is leads me to point two which is number two which is do your due diligence in finding a therapist if you're ashamed or embarrassed that you need therapy or that you're thinking about it that's the first point you want to look at that you're ashamed or embarrassed that you need help because my do your due diligence would be you know checking in with people in your area like you know do you know any good therapists or you know, do you have anybody you could recommend? Do your homework. I mean, hopefully you do that for your car. I mean, most people do it with their car, or at least they recognize that they've got a bad car place and then they find another one. So those are the first two. You need to understand not all therapists are good. Not all of anybody is good. And you need to do your due diligence because that's going to be helpful and could save you time and money. Number three Get clear about your goals for therapy. What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? You know, if you're really stressed out and you have a lot of anxiety or depression or you're just really dissatisfied with life, those are great goals. I need to reduce my, learn how to deal with the depression and anxiety or I'm dissatisfied. Like get some goals and be clear about what would help you. Number four you know, be brutally honest. It's not going to help you if you shade the truth or lie. It's not going to help you. It's like shooting yourself in the foot. If you want therapy to be helpful, you have to be honest. And sometimes I understand that's hard for people. So uh, number five, don't be afraid. I'm going to tell you that you know, what's the worst you can find out is maybe you have a cognitive distortion or maybe you don't have anger skills or maybe, you know, you, you know, whatever. You can find out whatever you find out. But it's an area that you can get to work on. I promise you, you know, you can develop any skill or habit or practice to make your life amazing. So don't be afraid. I mean, I know that's where people go but you don't have to. You could look at it like an adventure. I am going to get some therapy so I can have peace of mind, or I'm going to get some therapy so I can deal with these issues and figure out how to be more functional, whatever. But just don't be afraid. Um, because I, I celebrate. Anytime there's something for me to learn or do or grow, I go, woohoo, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Um, number seven. Oh, number six. If the therapist doesn't work for you in any way, change therapists. I mean, I hope you do that with your physicians. I hope you do that with your lawyers and hairdressers and everything else. If something doesn't work for you, I hope you make the change and, and don't have any shame or embarrassment in it. Number seven, if they give you any assignments or homework or things to do, do it. Do it with rigor. Do it like it matters. Otherwise, you're kind of wasting your time and money in theirs. I mean, their time, not their money, because you're paying them. Um, number eight, adopt the attitude that you're a work in progress. I mean, like, yeah, I'm a work in progress, and I'm not ashamed to say I've made mistakes. I've done things I wish I hadn't, and but I, I always did the best I could with the information I had, at the time and the person that I was like one of my early traumas people said well why didn't you tell people well, I didn't tell people because I was ashamed I was ashamed and embarrassed not of myself by the way 
of, of other people. I was ashamed that uh, these were, this is what happened from other people. And I was just so young. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't tell people. So I would, I would suggest start embracing growth and development because it's amazing and it's fabulous. And number, number nine, um, be open-minded. Being open-minded is really cool. Like, I, I, I love it. And you know, you don't have to be open-minded, but if you're going into therapy, it's helpful. I mean, it's helpful. And then number 10, if you're going to go into therapy, I would certainly hope that you're going to be proud of yourself, like really be proud of yourself for your courage, for your bravery, for your willingness to kind of look at your life under a microscope or to look at your life as the map and, and, and answer the question, is your map true and valid? Like, do you have a true and valid map? All right, so here's your takeaways. It's time to end the unnecessary and really unhelpful stereotypes and stigmas and myths surrounding therapy. And it's time to really celebrate and cheer people on who are brave enough to go into therapy. Like really celebrate and, and cheer them on. And if you're not willing to do that, then it's time to look at yourself. And it's time to recognize that you know, personal growth and development is the access to a really great life filled with love and happiness and peace of mind. It, growth and development is the access, whether you do growth and development through my podcast or my materials, or you do it through therapy, it's the access to all the good stuff in life. And so for my call to action, it's time to get going on getting your life in order, like do whatever it takes. And it's time to get your friends or family or coworkers or neighbors or whoever or kids, whatever, to go with you. And my last call to action is to share this podcast so you can help help us together as a team reduce the cultural and societal stigmas and stereotypes about therapy. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 58, What is Therapy Anyway? I hope it's given you some new ideas and thoughts and perspectives on therapy and uh, that maybe you can drop some of the stigmas and stereotypes associated with therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically and share this with people that you care about. And definitely visit my website to enter my giveaway. Thanks. Hang in there for now. Bye.